Hey, what's up, y'all? My name is Rochelle Grow, and I'm the host of Allergic to Small Talk. I'm an expat living in the UK. I own two businesses, have my executive MBA from Pepperdine University, and I come riding dirty, having fallen from the polished corporate world. Allergic to Small Talk is a show about how to grow your small business through networking, plus the tools and resources needed to develop your foundation as a business owner. If you're allergic to small talk, get ready for big conversations that are delivered to you in bite-sized chunks that you can implement right away to transform the way you view, operate, and grow your business. This is Allergic to Small Talk by Cut Class. What are the ingredients of a successful leader? Are they an introvert who commands a room with their loud, steady voice? Or an introvert that calmly guides a team through challenge and change? Well, the answer could be both. Welcome back to Allergic to Small Talk. You can catch me here every week giving you the latest tips and tools to start and run a small business. You can also say what's up to me on TikTok at It's Grow Grow. All right, y'all, let's get into it. I thought our conversation today could focus on what makes a valuable and thoughtful leader. And to help me out, I've brought on a dynamic guest for you today. Her name is Lisa Marie Platsky. Lisa Marie is an award-winning leadership expert in human behavior. She's received accolades from the White House, the United States Small Business Administration, the International Alliance for Women, where she has been recognized as one of the top 100 women making a difference in the world. She left her federal law enforcement career after 9-11 to be the CEO of an international leadership development company called Upside Thinking, Inc., Lisa Marie delivers presentations worldwide, sharing research on how vulnerability and forgiveness are critical to exceptional leadership, as well as her proven seven-step leadership model centered on connection, positioning, and executive presence. Lisa Marie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rochelle. I appreciate you having me here. I'm delighted for our conversation, and from what I have learned about you, read about you, and in our conversations, I am positive it's going to be a very intriguing conversation. (laughs) I couldn't agree more. (laughs) Okay, so I always like my guests to tell us in their own words, like when somebody says, Lisa Marie, tell me something about yourself. Like, what do you say? Well, what I first say is, Oh my gosh, that's a heavy question. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, tell me about yourself. The reality for me is I'm a truth teller. And so that's where I start is that I'm somebody who sees breaks in integrity. And I am really committed to excellence, accountability, and personal responsibility. They're core values in my business. And they're also elements that drive who it is that I am as a human being. And so to understand why it actually is, you know, from when I was really small, from when I was a kid. And I believe that that's probably true for everyone's business and leadership story is that our influences as kids affect us more than perhaps we'd like to believe. Today, I run a leadership development company 
upside thinking and in the business I get to teach people how to be able to fully live their divine mission, purpose, and calling so that they get to make a greater impact on the planet. And so much of that is informed from years and years and years ago from who we are that evolves and improves, but it doesn't, at the core, it doesn't change. Got it. Thank you so much for sharing. As many of you know, Our team at Cut Class is passionate about helping people transition from their nine to five to building a business that they love. Why? Well, I'm glad you asked. I remember climbing the corporate ladder, getting my executive MBA and making great money and driving a fancy car. But at the end of the day, I was frustrated and miserable because I was doing everything that I thought I was supposed to be doing to hit success. It wasn't until I completely unplugged from what the world always told me would make me happy that I was able to find my genius zone and turn it into a business. I now have the freedom around time and finances that I've always wanted. So if you're in a similar situation where you're in a nine to five that's frustrating and unfulfilling and you're thinking about starting a business so you can control your time and finances, then let's hop on a call and let's talk about creating your new future. A link to book a call will be in the show notes. So tell me a little bit about your shift in career, because I was reading that, you know, you did have a career in law enforcement. My dad was in law enforcement for 40 years. Love him. He's the one I was telling you about. He's a little bit grumpy and don't worry. He won't mind when he hears this. I love that. I just (laughs) love that. So that was his whole career. He stayed in law enforcement for 40 years. He was a lifer. He did that forever, but you made a shift in your career. Can you just tell us a little bit about how that journey came about for you? Sure. So law enforcement was my passion. I loved law enforcement. You know, some people they have the idea, like, I am going to go into law enforcement and this is going to be the thing that I'm going to do for forever and ever. And for me, what I knew was that growing up had its unique challenges. And so domestic violence was part of my every day. And so police were seen as the knight that came in to save the day, you know, the person in uniform that came in with a shiny badge to make everything right. And so that was actually, you know, subconsciously just placed in my head that that was the good guys in my world. And so when I was looking to major in something in college, I chose criminal justice for not really, you know, the conscious, like, yes, I want to be in law enforcement, but more, I knew that law enforcement were good guys. And I knew that there was something about it that had it be a a man's world. And I was so much interested in going against the norm. And so when you talk about being allergic to small talk, it's like, I have no time, no, not interested. And I want to, to some degree, prove myself. But throughout the career in law enforcement, I loved it. I loved what I did. I loved how every day was different. I worked federal. It was anything from money laundering investigations to narcotics interdiction to commercial fraud. You know, it was intriguing. It was interesting. I loved it. And when it came time for me to be in relationship, relationships when you're working a 24-7 are challenging. 
And so when I met my now husband, I said, I'm not interested in a serious relationship. He said, good, I'm not interested in a serious relationship because <laughs> he too was in law enforcement. And so it was like, good, you know, neither of us want anything more than just the ability to see each other when we want to see each other under our own terms to do the thing that we want. And a year later, my husband proposed. And so Aww. it was this crossroads of, do I stay or do I go? And the crossroads of staying or going meant looking at and examining what are the things that I value most? What are the values? What are the drivers in my life? And the driver in my life was freedom and fun and flexibility to spend time with faith, family, and friends. And how could I do that when I was going to be marrying somebody who had a 24-7 career and I had a 24-7 career? Like, how do you do that? And you probably saw this with your dad, that there's a certain responsibility where some people, when you're in business, not when you own your own business, but when you work for someone else, you can, in some careers, turn it off. And in other professions, you can't. Like there are elements that come home with you and there are elements that you're responsible for. And so how to do that. And I knew that being successful in marriage with us both having the career tracks, it would have been a smaller likelihood for success. And so that desire to do something different is what propelled me into business. But I can't say, Ro, that I ever thought that I'd be a business owner. Really, 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 honestly, <laughs> that was not the path. I thought I was going to go work for someone else, but that's a whole other story. I love that. That's amazing. I think it's awesome that you recognize like this is just not going to work if he's working 24-7 and I'm working 24-7. Like this is just not going to be a healthy place to be. And sometimes I think it's like people can look at that and go, oh, well, you gave that up for a man. Like you gave up all of that for your partner. And in some respects, I used to be a part of that camp until I was met at the same crossroads. Yes, uh, you were. <laughs> definitely. You know, my husband and I, when I was working in New York, living my best life, I got pregnant and, you know, my husband and I were very committed to our careers. I wasn't going to move from the States. He wasn't going to move from the UK. And it took this big life shift for us to go, okay, it's now or never. And I thought, same thing. I was like, you know what? My family comes from a long line of divorce. My parents are both on like their third marriages. I want this marriage to like last. I want to be able to have my son have a father present in his life forever, as long as possible. And that's why I also chose to put my career on hold and reinvent myself in a whole other country and in a whole other industry. So it resonates with me. And I think that you should be very proud of yourself. When you say that, like, I literally can feel the truth. I have conversations with God regularly and I have these angel bumps that, you know, all over <laughs> my body, which is actually, there's a physiological reason why it happens. And we're not going to get into the physics of it or anything like that, but it's a very real visceral response as to why hair stands on end. And Someone else can do the research and, and Google it and look into it. <laughs> Why I'm bringing it up is because as you're saying all of that, it's like truth, truth, truth. It's like, yes. And I would get those comments from people, which were, you know, you gave something up. And actually it was a very conscious conversation. We both sat down and said, like, here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm at. And what's the choice that makes the most sense for both of us? And it made more sense for him to stay I was slated, like I had given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And I was the fastest promoted officer in my agency at the time. So it's not like I didn't have opportunities. It was that my husband was already in senior leadership and the elements that he would have had to give up to be in the reinvention were so much greater 
in what we both valued. I will tell you, my parents were really concerned. Like, how do you go from you, you made it right? Cause you already got the six figure career and you made it. So how could you give that up to no figures and no like steady, you know, every two weeks you get the paycheck and how are you going to do that? And how are you going to eat? And this doesn't make sense. Like no part comprehended in the world of my family. This is craziness. And yet when we sat down and said, like, here are the things that matter most, here are the things that matter most. And I find that when people look at it as, well, you gave something up, they're not looking at what you gain when you live your life. In fact, I'm getting these angel bumps all over what you gain when you make choices that are for your highest and your best good overall in your life in all areas, the richness of life when you do that. And I find that even in running a business, so often people will look at the things that they're not getting or the things that they give up or what they have to do to give those up without looking at all of the gains. And so for me, I gave nothing up. Like I am so flipping fortunate that that actually, that experience, you know, that I was at that crossroads and then I made the leap of faith to go into business knowing nothing, having a criminal justice degree 3,000 miles away from my closest friend or family member. I mean, you know, Lord have mercy. Here I am going like thinking business was as simple as like, you know, you print a business card and you go and you go find a client, you know, like the craziness of that. And yet you know, the beauty of that journey and where that's taken me. And I, I understand that you've had similar pieces, which is why we ended up here together. Absolutely. I love your story. And I know we could go on, we could talk about, I think there's so many similarities in our stories. And I think we could just go on with that for a really long time, but I'll pause there. And I really want to shift into now, I want to know about upside thinking because I've interviewed lots of people that have talked about leadership, different traits of leadership. This is what makes a successful leader. But your philosophy is very different. And I really like that you are bringing courageous leadership, vulnerability into the leadership space. And I'm not sure if this dovetails into your seven steps of leadership. I don't want to go too far, but tell me a little bit of as to like, why yours is a bit different. And then maybe we can go into each of those seven steps of your program. Yeah, absolutely. So what happened for me was much just like, here I am, this person who is now going to be running a business. And I had been offered several jobs running police academies and doing other work after I left the Department of Homeland Security's Customs and Border Protection. And when I did that, I was like, well, what do I want to do? And my husband said, take your time and figure it out. And I talked to people who were like, you know, you should definitely get a job. Like that was the <laughs> voice that everyone said, right? Because I didn't know anybody who owned a business. So why were they going to give me that? You know, people who own businesses, you know, that's hard or they're not successful or, you know, where the voices that were coming to me. And yet when I laid out my values again, it was like opening a business seemed like the only avenue in order to have the flexibility and the freedom and the things that I wanted. I didn't realize how much it actually goes into running a business. Let's just put that aside. <laughs> so when I'm in that place, it was like, I know leadership. Like I taught at the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center after 9-11, I created curriculum for the Leadership Development Center and I love leadership. So I knew it was a leadership development company that I was going to open up. 
when you can be in the space of not needing to be the smartest person in the room and you can interview other people and genuinely be open to what the possibilities are. I had this career where I was well rewarded and where I had a lot of accolades. However, in business, you know, what the heck did I know? So I started interviewing people and in the interviews, that's how I came up with my seven pillars of leadership. And so it was like, I keep seeing this theme over and over and over and over again. Oh, and then what happened was, after I taught that and went into companies and small businesses and gave them this in like, you need to have these in order to be successful. If that's what you need to be successful, what about the people who take their companies and so many people go out of business or they never make the elusive seven figures. What do the people do that are the eight and the nine figure and the 10 figure companies and the people who take that? And that's when I started to look at elements of what I call courageous leadership. Like what are the people who are really courageous? Like they, they take the risks and they put things out there that are almost just awe-inspiring that you don't understand how they got there. And what I found is that there were three elements to that. And one of those elements was vulnerability. And not vulnerability in the sense of like feigned vulnerability, Mm -hmm. but vulnerability in the space of, I really am so willing. There's nothing that's off the table to talk about in forwarding myself and the organization. And so some of these companies are wildly successful financially. And some of these companies, it's not about the numbers, but I did the same sort of research. And I found that the way to access vulnerability was forgiveness. And so that's why I started to go into organizations and go, if you really want to be the best of the best, like I'll give you these seven pillars. And if you want to be the best of the best, then we look at these elements over here. And so it was like a marrying. And so I have a conference that I use the seven pillars that I give people those. And then I weave the courageous leadership elements in it so that people can see it. Unless you see it tangibly and viscerally, it was hard for me to go, oh, that's it. There's a gentleman who runs a private equity company. And when they were interviewing me to see about having me sit on their board, he said to me, the vulnerability piece answers 18 questions for me. And I said, wow, I wanted to learn, right? Like, yeah, you're, you want to interview me, but I want to understand, you know, why is that for investors? And so he started to go into the science of it and gave me hours and hours of information of what they look for in his particular P&E company where they've actually studied micro expressions like that the FBI uses in the United States, the, the Federal Bureau of Investigations, and, and how you can read people, whether or not they're being truthful or not, and what that looks like in deals that are on the table that are 100 million and more. And what do you do? It became something for me where it's like, you hear vulnerability in the sense like pour out your heart and share yourself. That's not the kind of vulnerability I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind where you're completely unattached. And it's because who you need to be as a leader to run a $100,000 company is different than who you need to be to run a, a million dollar company, which is different than who you need to be to run a, an eight figure, a nine figure, a 10 figure, an 11 figure company. You can't be the same person, but what do you have to do as a leader? And so it became less about the tactics and more about who you need to evolve into as a leader. And then it became my God part. Like there's so many elements of this, but you know, over the last 17 and a half years, it's like, 
what does it really, really take to stay in the leadership game? And I think that some people do really well in the starting up their organizations, and then they lose sight of some of these elements. And that's the reason why we see them crash and burn, even after they've been real big players in the market. Wow. So are we able to dive into the yes, 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 the model? Because this is so, sure, yes. this is so fascinating because you know, I think sometimes people think about leaders like the loudest person in the room, like they really command a room and they just really know how to lead. And then there's also like some dynamic introverted leaders that are completely obviously opposite, but can lead if not better than their extroverted counterparts. And so what I hope the listeners are going to gain from what you're going to go over is that your seven steps can be applied to introverts, extroverts, a mix between the the mix between the two. And it doesn't have to just be one camp or the other. Absolutely. In fact, that has to do with one of the pillars. So it's perfect. Excellent. Let's dive into number one. So number one is to start with a written plan. It's understanding your why. And this is not like, I'll hear people talk about that and they'll talk about it on a very surface level. And this is Oh, there's five steps, five elements to that written plan. You have got to be so clear about where it is that you're going and so dialed into that so that literally when your eyes open up, when you're laying in bed in the morning and in that first second, when your eyes open up and you're awake, you're clear. You're like, this is where I'm going. And so I start with that point early and right first as I open my eyes in the morning. And for me, you know, I'm down on my knees then and I'm in prayer and I'm like, all right, this is what you promised me. This is where we're going to. And, you know, what do I need to do? Who do I need to be? How do I be a force for good on the planet? Like that's my constant conversation with God. That's amazing. And so that's where you don't have to believe in God or you don't have to, you can call it consciousness or something else. I'm not attached to that. It's just that your why and your written plan that you have has got to be so dialed in for that level of clarity in order for what you want to show up. And that's one of the things in the research. And is a personal why separate from like an organizational why in terms of leadership? That's a great question. And so when someone starts their business, their personal why and their organizational why are interconnected. Okay. They're, you know, they're, they're intertwined. An example I'll give you is I had a client who had a a real estate brokerage, large real estate brokerage. And as a child, she grew up being shuffled from house to house to house to house. They were immigrants who her parents had immigrated to the United States and they didn't have a place to call home until she was in her teens. And so they slept on sofas and they slept in people's basements and they slept in other places. And so for her, real estate was so attached to helping people create home. And that why was just, in fact, I'm getting, you know, goosebumps. I'm getting those angel bumps all over, moved me to tears. And it was so attached to that, that when she brought people into the organization, it was like, we don't sell people houses. We allow them to create home. And that was so viscerally her why. And it so became the organizations that who she attracted in the organization and who came to her, it was, um, It was a movement. Like I say, it moves me to tears because the company was centered on that. Love that. And it was very intrinsic for her. It's not like the extrinsic stuff. Because I think sometimes early on, like early on in my career, a lot of my drivers and my why were definitely extrinsic. I want a nice car. I want the fancy thing. I want the blah, blah, blah. And obviously that's when people burn out and fail out when you're like trying to go attain these things that are totally just not real. It's not what's going to make you happy. 
And then, you know, I learned my lesson later in life. And now it's definitely the intrinsic stuff that is a big driver for me. And so it seems that that client of yours was very clear what was internally going to drive her every single day. And she got like a movement with her, with her business. That's cool. Yeah. And she's got the luxury car and the luxury, Mm -hmm. you know, the go up to the penthouse and the private elevator and all of those external pieces whatever you decide to do, whether it's to drive the Honda or the Lambo, it doesn't matter. It's just understanding that there's got to be some sort of clear why that can be such a driver that other people can get behind. And even if yours is an internal one, if it's not something that others can buy into, then you're not really a business. You're just one person. It's got to be something that that why can be something that others can rally behind. And so, hey, you know, if what your why is, is that everybody in your company gets a Lambo and you're totally, that, but it's like, it, it has to be something where people can rally behind that. So right. pillar number one, starting with a written plan, beginning with the end in mind has to do with your why. Because in order for you to begin with the end in mind, that's the reason why the why is important. Pillar number two is understanding your personality. You mentioned extrovert. You mentioned introvert. You're right. There's actually beautiful work from Kozis and Posner that talks about the four characteristics of a leader that every leader must possess. The first one is integrity. The second one is forward thinking. The third one is inspiring. They do not say charismatic. They say inspiring. Mm. That means you can be an introvert. You can be an extrovert. How you inspire is different. People who are extroverted often inspire in a way that they emote. People who are introverted inspire in a way that their sense of steadiness and calmness and groundedness is an inspiration to others to take action. They're just different. One's not better than the other. The fourth one is competent. What's really important is to understand that your personality is going to contribute to you moving further from what you want, your plan, or getting you closer to it. And so the more you understand your own hard wiring, and that's what these leaders did, the more you can then surround yourself with people who are different and surround and operate in the areas in which you do the best that are your greatest strengths. And so for me, I'm someone who's not real detail oriented. So there's a lot of people on my team that dot the I's, cross the T's, and are really detail-oriented. And so much so that yesterday I was talking to my executive assistant who operates as a chief of staff. I said, is this still a good time for us to talk? And I had something else come up, so our, our meeting had gotten bumped. And she said, well, she goes, it's not a great time, but she goes, I looked at your calendar tomorrow, and she's like, we will talk now. And why that's so funny is because I just changed somebody in my organization who worked in client care, who's managing my calendar. And she is a dot the I cross the T. When my chief of staff would put things in my calendar, there was spaciousness and stuff like that, that were like, you know, gave me cushion, not this woman, like love her, but she is like, you know, you'll do 11 appointments and you'll get no breaks. So we're wired differently. And so if you want to move things forward and you've got things to do in your business, then you want people in the team who can make that happen. Now, I'm not subscribing that everybody needs to have, you know, 11 back-to-back appointments. I'm just simply saying like, that's how she's wired to do that. And she is a different operating system than my executive assistant and me. 
And so she's focused on the details. Everybody's going to get their place. It's going to be in there. You know, not me. It's like, okay, I'm going to call you and it might be three hours later. (laughs) But that wouldn't have happened if she would have managed that day. And she didn't, right? So it's like, understand your personality. So start with a written plan, begin with the end in mind, understand the why in there, and then understand your personality. Love that. And I think when you're applying this, like even if it's just pillar number two, understanding your personality and understanding like what your genius zone is and what isn't, what you're like not competent in and spending time in that incompetency area. Like there's somebody else that just has a superpower in that area that you just, that's not your genius zone. So don't spend your time there and bring those people on board that can fill those holes for you so that you are just propelled into like the next level in your business. And it's got to be filled with spaces in order for you to make money. So sometimes Mm -hmm. the things that I see entrepreneurs do is they hire people that do tasks that they don't want to do, but then they didn't increase their revenue. And so it's like, no, you don't get to just hire all the things that you don't want. You have to have a hierarchy and understand that it's got to be when anytime you add someone to your organizational chart, it has to be so that the revenues can increase. And so if you're not the one that's doing sales, like what does that look like in the system that goes into another pillar? So anyway, just jumping ahead with that, because it's really important since you mentioned hiring. Love that. All right. Let's dive into pillar number three. Pillar number three is what we're doing right here. Building powerful partnership. It's understanding that connection is really valuable. And those organizations, those leaders that are really the ones that have the greater impact are ones that are deeply connected, deeply connected. And a lot of business that happens just simply because of connection. Amazing. And when you're talking about connection, do you mean it's with interpersonal connections within the business or also externally as well? Yes. Yes. Internal, external connection, 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 connection is a form of currency and it is what we use to build bridges that lead to partnerships. I'm not necessarily speaking about formal partnerships, although that really is definitely of value. Yesterday, I had a conversation with somebody that I consider to be an informal partner in my business who was pushing me this morning, you know, 630 in the morning, somebody that I'm writing a book with. It's a partnership, you know, on this particular project, but also a partnership in what we're doing individually in our businesses. And I went, oh, gosh, I need that. I need to put that in my job description. Those connections that lead to partnership where you actually are fast tracking what it is that you're doing, you know, that proverb, you know, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, you got to go together. And so if you want to go far in what you're doing, you need other people. That means you've got to create and cultivate powerful partnerships. I'm all about connection. It's one of the biggest, biggest areas of our business that I lead in our company. And it's so important. I have two very big introverts on my team and they're my co-owners. I love them to death, but I'm always like, did you reach out to five people today? Did you say five to five people? Who are they? What's going on guys? And they're like, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. Yeah, (laughs) it's important. It really is important. And I say that's not something that you can, you don't have the ability in business to make that an optional activity. You don't. Yeah, absolutely. Daily. Daily. What is pillar number four? Pillar number four is live your priority. I did not say the word priorities. Priorities did not exist until the 1980s. 
priority. You can only do one thing at a time and you can only do one thing well. I don't care what people say about multitasking. So therefore you have a priority. Right now my priority is you. I'm here with you. Me saying yes to you means I say no to my husband. My husband is not my priority in this moment, nor is he my priority you know, when I go through my work day, because I am wherever it is that I am. And so you have to live your priority. And that happens moment by moment. And when you're not clear about what priority you're honoring in the moment that serves the greater mission and the greater goal, you will end up someplace you don't want to be. And your health will be affected. In this pillar, there are seven areas of well-being, physically, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, financially, relationally, and strategically and creatively in your work. What people do is they say, I will start my business, I will run my business, and I will take care of the strategic and the creative stuff. I will then work on my relationships. Then maybe we'll figure out all the money pieces. Maybe then I'll fit in the spiritual stuff. And at the very end, I'll make sure I take care of my health, my physical health and well-being and my mind. And it is the other way around. You cannot do things and not honor your body, your intellect, your emotions, and actually run a successful and financially viable business. And so living your priority means honoring and being aware of all of that and tracking it. For myself, my morning routines, my evening routines, I tell people business is not sexy. You know, it is boring. You do things consistently over and over and over again so that you can have the sexy and so you can have the inspiring. You don't do those things to build the foundation and living your priority. You will end up someplace you don't want to be because every yes is simultaneously to no to something else. Like I said, me being here with you is no to my clients right now. Me being here with you is a no to my husband. Me being here with you is a no to my board. And yet later in the day, you know, that will shift and change. And so a lot of times what I find is that people aren't clear what their priority is. And then the overall piece that they want means that all the minutes in the day and the week and the month have to add up to that, to where it is that I'm going. Oh, number four, pillar four, like just stabbed me with a knife in the heart, but in a good way, like Gosh, like the amount of people that I hear and even, you know, myself, we think that we're trapped to time or we're don't have time for this. We don't have time for this. And it's like, we're not a slave to time. We are a creator of time. There are three, the five minutes that, as you say, add up to like where we want to go in life. If we could actually carve out all those three to five minutes and work on things slowly, we could actually get to starting our business. We could actually do the things that we really want to live up to in our lives Gosh, this is such a good one. If you guys don't take anything away from this podcast, like number four, pillar number four, living to your priority. Live your priority. That's so powerful. I love that. What's really interesting is that I do my my Upside Summit is three-day conference that mm. I have. Day one is, is two pillars. Day two is two pillars. And the final day is three pillars. And when we get to live your priority, I can tell you, I've done this event for 15 years. There is breakdown in the room and there is breakdown in the room because people look at it and go, oh my gosh, like this is really what's going on in my life. And I tell people, you can tell people all day long with your kids, your priority. But if every time work comes up, you say yes to work and your family does not ever get put first, 
It's not. It's just something nice you tell your friends or tell people that you want to make yourself feel good. And so I don't have any judgment to that. Like whatever you want to do to live your life, I just am really aware that the numbers of times that I say yes to travel and say no to my husband means that if I really want to have a healthy marriage, I've got to examine that and be in the examination. And you and I have been on a call where you're like, you know, I realize that I've got to look at travel, you know, for myself and you've made changes to that. And I've made changes to that because it's about where am I right now? Now that might change six months from now. That might change a year from now that might change, but it's like, are you looking every single day, moment by moment by where you're giving your most precious resource, which is your time? Oh, so good. I love that one. Lisa Marie, honestly, that's amazing. All right. What is pillar number five? I mean, does, is it going to get even better? I'm sure it is. <laughs> pillar number five is to create a meaningful and memorable presence. And so presence is several things. Presence is being present in the moment. So it's being here, not someplace else, not distracted by whatever else goes on. It's also being in gratitude. Gratitude is a huge part of this because when you're grateful, you can't be unhappy and grateful at the same time? Are you looking at what you lost or are you looking at what you gained, right? So being grateful, that's the reason why, you know, something happens to me, you know, I have the bag that goes under the truck or the flat tire or the whatever, you know, it's like, okay, I'm grateful. Like, well, who am I going to meet in this? What am I going to learn? And that's something that takes a while to train yourself to do. And the third element in there is positioning, which is understanding what to say, who to say it to, when to say it, and how to say it. And so every word that comes out of our mouths, every word out of your mouth is you positioning yourself or depositioning yourself. A phrase that was coined, you know, in in the 1960s by actually... 1981, they wrote the book, 1960s, they coined the phrase, Al Reese and his business partner. And positioning is opening a window in the mind and you get into brain science when you start looking at this. And so to create a meaningful and memorable presence, you have to be present, you have to be grateful. But you also have to be able to position your expertise as a trusted expert, especially when you're in business. So, so much I could say on that, but that's enough. <laughs> it's, it's interesting that you say this because one of the things that our team has had to learn, because I'm a very people person. I love, I'm a people pleaser as well. I like connection. I want to know everything about the person. Like it's just, I love it. Right? I love people. But when it comes to sales, I can't be the super fluffy. I can't be the super like lovey dovey friendship because guess what happens? You get friend zoned. And you're not seen as the expert in that particular situation. And it's been a hard truth that our team has had to learn because we sell in the DMs, you know, when we have one-to-one conversations and it was something that we've had to really come to terms with in terms of positioning ourselves as experts while we're trying to sell what we need to sell. And Mm -hmm. I know it's not about selling, but it is part of maintaining that expert frame so that you can actually move your business forward. And it is, I mean, you don't have a business if you're not selling something, you know, that's, you have to sell something for it to be a business and you have to make money in order for it to be a business. And so otherwise it's not like, what is it? Is it a hobby? Is it a nice thing you like to do? Like, I, I don't understand. You have to have revenue stream and cash flow, and those are important. 
And they actually lead into the next pillar, pillar six, which is the pillar of progress and the pillar of profit, which is constant evaluation. And so I have certain questions that I want people to look at in what are you doing to take action on evaluating where you're at. Sometimes organizations wait so long to evaluate that they should have turned the ship years ago and done something different. Sometimes, including myself, there have been ideas that I've had that I wasn't willing to let go of because it was my baby. It was such a good idea, (laughs) but it's not profitable. And so you either have to reinvent the idea or you have to let it go and you've got to kill your baby. That's what it comes down to because to be in business, you have to make money. And so evaluate your progress because you need to ensure that you're profitable. I find that when it's somebody that does something from the heart and does something because it's their passion and their love and they love people, those things are harder to do. I went into an organization that had their board, literally like their C-suite and, and some board members. I was going to do a business, like a strategic planning session. So in the planning session, and I break them out in little groups and they come back and they have put all the ideas on the board and there's 17 ideas for the organization for the year. And I say to them, great, let's go through each one of them and let's rate them and let's decide where the organization is going to go. And at the end of it all, they were like, well, we want all of them. And I said, then you won't do any of them. And they said, no, we will. We're really excited. And I said, I promise you, I'll come back a year from now and you'll have done zero because it's better to pick one or two and focus all your energies and efforts on it. Once again, living your priority, going back to that and do that. In the evaluation, you have to be able to track and measure the progress in things. And with 17 variables, you just can't do that. And so One of the questions I tell people to ask is, what is it right now that's important for me to let go of? Like, what is not serving the greatest good in me moving my business forward and being able to look at that? Even my business coach who said to me a year ago, Lisa, I know you want to get a new website up for the business, but your event is what makes you money. You work on that website first. And I went, oh yeah, that's right. That's the income producer. And so it's going back to that's what business is. And so you evaluate, you evaluate, you evaluate all the variables so that you have profit in order to be able to pay yourself and pay people. Amazing. And what is pillar number seven? Pillar number seven, invest in professional development and personal development. So you have to invest in yourself, programs, trainings, coaching, mentorship, and personally for yourself as a person. Like I said, what I found was leaders that the difference between that top percent, that courageous leader, is that they looked at themselves. Individuals who only looked at the organization and only the the networking that was going to advance their career, their business, but not them as a human did a disservice to the organization because they weren't growing. And so how do you grow an organization if you yourself as a leader aren't growing? So you need both personal and you need professional development to push your own growth edges. If you're the smartest person in your circle of friends, you need new friends. And that's really just so true when you're in business. And remember, you guys, if you're a small business owner, you're going to start a new business, personal development, it's all a write-off. Like this is for you. It's an investment in yourself and your business. So it's not like you're really spending tons and tons of money, but it is a write-off for your business. So make sure that you do write that off. Lisa Marie, before we go, are there any extra knowledge bombs or tidbits that you want to drop in before we go? 
Yes. I want to say that the world needs you and your brilliance. And that is not a marketing slogan in my business. It is that the world needs what you have. The world needs your brilliance. And when you don't go out and do the thing that you're called to do, that you understand that's yours to do, the world misses out and you miss out too. And so whatever it is that you're called to do that you understand is yours, have the courage to go and do that and have the courage to dive in deeper. The best leaders do this and understand that. So the world needs you and your brilliance. Your time is now. Awesome. 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 I've loved this podcast episode with you, Lisa Marie, and I cannot wait for the audience to hear it. And if the audience wants to find you, where can we find you? Find me at upsidethinking.com, U-P-S-I-D-E, and the word thinking, T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G.com. There's even a calendar link that you can have a conversation with me and find me on social media. Like I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn every single day. Now you mentioned TikTok. I'm not on TikTok or Instagram. So I'm really a Facebook and LinkedIn gal. Lisa Reed, thank you so much for coming on today. And I hope you have an awesome day. You as well. Thank you so much for the gift of being here. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Allergic to Small Talk is a production of Cut Class, a place where you can access me, Rochelle Grow, and Leslie Levito. We teach the world how to start and grow businesses without a formal classroom. Executively produced by me, Rochelle Grow, and Cut Class. Creative direction by Sho Kazanjian. Audio editor and producer, Tom Mikiok. And music is by Fami Kaira. If you'd like to access more free resources, check out our sister podcast, Out to Launch, hosted by Cut Class's co-founder, Leslie Levito. She teaches people how to ditch their nine to five to start their own business. See ya.